The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A happy Monday to you one and all. Grateful to have you all joining here on the Full Court Press, wherever and however you are joining us. I'm AJ Salveson, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A lot to get through. we got a packed Monday show during COVID-19, which is a really, really nice and relieving thing to have sports to talk about. We have The Last Dance. I'm going to give you my reviews and my thoughts on parts three and four. It was delicious. A lot of good stuff in there. NFL draft is coming to a close. One person drafted, but four signees uh, one left off the list for curious reasons that not a lot of people can understand. And then, of course, everything was kind of adding up. You know, your show's kind of put together. And then one guy just blows up Twitter, or I guess as they say these days, broke Twitter, I think is the correct phrase. And that is Namiya Keta, who has announced that for his junior year, he's coming back to Utah State for Act 3. In fact, he joins me here on the Full Court Press. Namiya Keta, my man, good to have you. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, where are you at? Are you are you in the states or where, where are you hanging out at? I'm in the states. I'm in Logan right now. Oh, right you're now. still in Logan then. Yes. So, what did you do during like the whole like? Did you ever like go on vacation or did you just stick around Logan the whole time? Um, I just, uh, I'm just at home in Logan at the, kind of in a vacation. <laughs> um, I'm just working out wherever I can and just and just. Just playing as much video games as I can too, because <laughs> well, that's hey, all I can do for now. What's your uh, okay? So two questions on that regard. What's your system like? PS4 or Xbox? That's the first one. Uh, PS4. For Atta sure. boy, I got to get your gamer tag after all this, so I can come over and beat you. What What do you play? Are you a FIFA, Madden, NBA? Two uh, K. Two K is always there, uh, and I just and I just hopped on the COD bandwagon. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, who would win out of a two game game, two K game between Fonzo. you and Brito? Fonzo. Wait, Fonzo? Yes. Fonzo would beat you. Yes, by far. Is Fonzo that good? Yes, man. Or, there's, there's no competition. <laughs> like. Not even, not even Diogo. I could. D, so Diogo would not be able to beat you. No. Me? Yeah. Me, Diogo would. Diogo would. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Namias, you announced that you're returning for your junior season here at Utah State. What was that process like? And what made you decide, you know what, I need another year of uh, college? Um, mostly, it was mostly due to this, this situation where, where there's nothing certain. Um... There isn't uh how do you say like there there wasn't there wasn't a tournament. I, I really needed a tournament to to help me get wherever I wanted to go. and besides that, um we just didn't I just felt like we could have we could have came back and still had a really good chances of a three beat. So I guess let's flash back to that then, since you brought it up. Uh, you guys have three historic nights in in the uh, Mountain West Conference tournament in Las Vegas. 
you get your automatic Big Ten NCAA tournament. How heartbreaking was it for you personally to not get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament? Because I felt like you guys would have done some damage. Yes, man. It was really hard for me. Um, I felt like we could have, we could have, we showed everybody in the country that we're we're a really good team and we're up to the we're up to the test against anyone in the country. Um, San Diego State was a really good team. Um, they were they were probably going to be either number one or two seeded in, tur- in the tournament, um, and that would just help us. That 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 just helped us gain more more confidence, even more even. Even more of the one that we already had, um, just by beating a number one or two seed, you you automatically think you can you can go as far as you can. And for me, that was that win just just proved just proved everyone wrong. Where do you rank that dunk over Wetzel in the Mount West Conference Championship game? And out of all, see if you had some great dunks since you've been at Utah State, where does that where does that spin and right handed throwdown rank in that? In my USU career, yeah, um, I would say probably three. Three, really? Yes. So what's number yeah. one? Uh, number one, it was the freshman year dunk I had. Um, was that over uh, Carvacho that fast break? Is that no? That's number two. That's oh, number two. Holy crap! That's what number is number two. one then? <laughs> <laughs> the the dunk I had in the final. Uh, of the freshman year. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. Abel, Abel threw the loud to me, and I just and I just got a body in the ball too. All right. So looking at your number three dunk over Wetzel, I, I remember the possession before. Uh, he put his shoulder into you. Probably should have been a charge. Wasn't called. You go to the other end, get to the uh, the left block, and you throw it down on Wetzel, and I. I'm sitting courtside, and I have this effects mic in my ear, and I, you hear the rim just rattling, and you just staring down at the ball. It is, I'm telling you, if you could have had my view, it would give you chills, Keta. How delicious <laughs> got, it was. It was so good for me. Um, the game wasn't going going as I wanted to in that, at that point. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing a really good game, but that, that dunk just gave me all of the momentum and and the mental strength I needed to to keep going and it just and it just boosted my confidence and I finished even stronger and it helped us win. That game okay, what was a better game? I, I guess have because have you rewatched the games at all or no? Yes, yes, oh, you have? yes, all of them. All of them. Okay, so as good as that championship game was and it was spectacular, I still feel like that New Mexico game was really like it was physical. It was grind out. I mean, Sam Merrill had four fouls with nine and a half minutes left, and he played the rest of the game. Your guys are down 11. You come back to win it. Like, those three games, and those, I guess, those three nights, but those two games, I just had to be so much fun for you guys, but I can only imagine how exhausted you were by the time you got to Saturday's championship game. Man, I was exhausted for the championship game. Um, for, for us, like, going into the tournament, we always think of, Every game, every game is a is your last game of the season. You you really had no, you really had no confirmation of whether you you would be in the tournament yet. Yeah, yeah. So we just assumed every game was going to be our last one, and we just gave it gave our all in all of them. So you could tell that by Sunday we were pretty pretty tired. But it's a final on Sunday. 
Sunday was the final, and finals you don't play, and you just you just find ways to win. And I and I felt like that's all we all we did. We we really we really fought our way out of the hole we were in, and we just found a way to win. And that's what what this team's all about. Uh, you don't. I guess your friendship with Diogo Brito is is something special. It's been talked about before, actually, a lot. How much are you going to miss that guy? When he first came in, he kind of you know put you under his wing, and him and Quinn Taylor both, and you guys developed such a close friendship. What has he meant to you throughout your uh, career here? Uh, he meant a lot to me. Um, just by having just having him around, just just as a another Portuguese guy here to. To guide me and take me, take me wherever I needed to, and and having having him as a teammate, just 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 going through everything I've been through, like it's just so much. Easier. It just makes it so much easier to endure this process, especially for me as a freshman and as as young as I came here. Um, I just felt that I needed I needed something like that, like. Uh, wingman to help me take care of whatever I needed to, help me in basketball, go to school, all all of the different components of being a student athlete in the U.S. that I had no idea of. He just helped me. He just helped me get an idea and an understanding of how we work. Sam Merrill, one of the greatest Aggies to ever do it. You got to spend so much time with him and be there in person as he put on a show for the ages in the Mount West Conference Tournament. What do you most appreciate about Sam Merrill and through uh, and through your two years of playing basketball with him? I just appreciated his leadership. He never he never took he never took a day off um when it comes to practice or games. He would just show up every day, um, making sure everyone was there as he was and just and just if you weren't he would just he would just you're, you would just take care of you in a different way. Like you would, you would make sure you were there. Uh, you think he gets drafted in the NBA? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I would, I would be shocked if he wasn't. Uh, what is something you want to work on as you get ready for your junior year, personally? Um, personally, I just want to work on a lot of different things. Um, I have I have so much time to work right now that that event I'll if I don't become better at those things it's purely my fault. Um, but uh, the things I want to work on the most is is just getting better at, at my my consistency of the of the outside shot. Um, getting getting a wet, a better balance on my body and becoming stronger on it so I can. I got a lot stronger, but I still needed to get stronger in a way that I can be, I can be pushed around as much, and I can still hold my ground. I want to hold my ground a lot more. What has Coach Smith done to you, or I guess done for you in your in your game and in your improvement? He just he just helped me a lot on the mental part. Um, just just by having the right type of mentality of going at it every every day and just try to attack every every possession and every every game and every practice as he was my last one. Um Coach Smith is a really good coach and he just and he just knows how to how to bring the best out of you while also bringing the competitive side off of you.
Did you ever panic? I guess I asked about Diogo and I've asked about Sam and Coach Smith. Did you at all panic when you were down 16 in the first half to the fifth-ranked team of the country in Las Vegas? No. Not me. I wasn't. I really felt like we we are a team that knows how to come back out of those out of those deficits. Of course, you don't want to be in those types of deficits, but you, I know, I know what we're about, and I know, I know, I know that we know that we what we need to to do to get better, and to just and to just find a way to just find a way to win. We were doing the right type of things in, in the first half and the shots weren't falling, but we just we just felt like we just needed to keep 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 attacking the rim and keep doing our things and shots will fall and once they fall we'll just find a way to win. What's it been like to play with Justin Bean on the other side of the block? Amazing. Amazing. Bean's a great rebounder. He's a great player. He's just he's just everywhere. He's just you know, he's He's pretty much the same thing that is in my opinion. Do you you know what's amazing to me? Right. Is as I mean, many double doubles as Justin Bean had and you had, you guys never fought for a rebound. It always was like <laughs> it's always gonna land on one side of the rim and that guy's got it. Yeah. Like, it just amazed yeah. me. There was no ego no egocentric with At either all, of man. you two. At all, man. We just know we just we just see each other around, and we just know, okay, this is the type of situation there where he goes, he, he's gonna get a rebound, or just, or or I'm gonna get a rebound, and he just gets, or we just get out of the way of each other, and we just, we just, we just go to the next play. Okay, so you lose Sam Merrill, you lose Diego Brito, uh, and you lose Abel Porter. Tell me what this team looks like for the 2020-21 season. With Marco Anthony, Sean Barrisot comes back. Lee McChesney's going to play. This team's young, but I've you know seen some practices. They've got some extreme talent. Yes, man, we got a, we got talent. But one thing's for sure: teams will still will still look at us wrong the wrong way. We still gotta we still gotta go go in the gym and prove everyone wrong again, all over again. Are you we excited for? Go ahead. We just, we just can't we just can't let let down. Um, I feel that we we're talented for sure, and we're young for sure. But we got we got the green in us. So you get BYU at home this year. You get St. Mary's at home this year. You have uh, there's a tournament in Myrtle Beach. By the way, how excited are you for Myrtle Beach? I mean, Jamaica's got to be amazing. Never been there, by the way. But Myrtle Beach is going to be. I mean, that's there's a little bit of fun there, isn't there? Man, I don't. It was. Jamaica was so fun this year. Um, for me, I was hurt. I couldn't. I couldn't play, so I was pretty much at the beach every time. <laughs> um, let's hope. Let's hope it's not like this this year. But Amen. Yes, but I, I hope. I hope Myrtle Beach will be a good tournament. It's full of packed, uh, really good teams. Um, I think Penn. Penn is in there. Uh, Pitt's in there, and I think Dayton's in there as well. Dayton, Dayton who was going to be a too. one seed this past year, yes, is in there. Yes. Yes, it's going to be fun. We're going to play against some of the top teams in the country, so I can't wait for it. It's just an opportunity to get better and just and just to learn from that, so we can be on the right on the right uh, on the right position by the end of the year. Big man Amish Keta joining us here on the full court press. 
uh, as he's announced his return for Act 3 of his career. By the way, I nicknamed you the ninth wonder of the world. Are, are you cool with that, or are you like, nah, not, that's, that's I mean, not going to like, I mean, why do I got to be ninth, man? Well, there's already eight wonders of the world. Uh, okay, okay, for sure, for sure, man. I'll be the ninth. <laughs> I mean, no offense, <laughs> but like the Egyptian pyramid. I thought, was, I thought it was only seven. Is there only? I swear there was like eight. Maybe I'm wrong. I have to see now. I have to Google that crap. Now I have to Wikipedia. I I thought there was only eight. Maybe there is seven. See, oh. see, that's you having a better education than me. Exactly, man. You're you're all <laughs> you're all <bad>. Hey, what? <laughs> I know you've only been here for two years, but BYU has be is it always been an intense rivalry with Utah State? And yes, to be man. very honest with you, BYU for the most part has owned Utah State. Have you learned how big this rivalry is between the two teams, and how hungry are you to get them back at your house in the Spectrum? I mean, like ever since I got here, I asked everyone who was our biggest rival, and everyone said it was BYU, and every. Every time I tried, I played against them. I always, I always try to play. I always, I we always try to win, but it didn't happen the last two years. But man, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to win against them and just to beat them at the at the spectrum. It would be just the perfect setting. How, uh, how good was Yuli Childs, who's entered into the draft? How good was he? He was really, really good. He was a great player. Um, I talked to him after the games and and everything, and he just and he just seems like a really, uh, really a really cool guy and a really down to earth guy. Um, I hope I hope I hope he gets drafted. Um, just just because I play with him and I see and I see the good in him, but I just I just feel that I just feel that he's a really good player and he just and he can still get so much better. So tomorrow, Carl Smith's going to join me on the show. He's the Utah State men's basketball trainer. For all those who don't know Carl Smith, he'll be on the show with me. Uh, what's yeah. your relationship like with Carl? Uh, Carl and I have a really good relationship. Uh, me, whenever I was hurt, he was the one. He was he was the the person that was that was rehabbing me. Um, he just took care of me, and he just and he just helped me through everything I needed. Um, he pushed me as hard as I could, um, and he just and he just took well care of my knee and I thank him for all of that. Uh and then of course we're about to wrap up here. I I've got to ask you who's the best trash talker on the team? Now that Sam's gone. Not that he was much of a trash talker, but who's the best trash talker on the team now? Um <laughs> probably probably Marco now. Marco talks? Yeah, Marco talks, but he's like Marco just he'll <laughs> talk to you but you'll You'll think he's joking around, but he's still <laughs> he's talking trash to you. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, did Abel ever talk? Because I swear he had all sorts of conversations on the court. It seemed like with everybody. I mean, Abel, Abel, like you don't you Abel will not trash talk to you, but you don't want to trash talk to Abel for sure. Really, you wouldn't trash talk him? I wouldn't. I wouldn't for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> Oh man! Well, Namish, hey, thank you so much for your time, man. Gratefully appreciate it. Uh, welcome back. You, and by the way, there are only seven wonders in the world. So you know what? You're the eighth wonder of the world now. You moved up hey, a spot. So man, congratulations, I you, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Namish, thank you so much, man. Enjoy hey, your time man, off, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this winter in the spectrum. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I, you, guys. We'll see you. All right, big guy.
That's the Mishketa. Uh Big man at Utah State. He's going to come back for his junior year. Act 3. This is huge for Utah State. Look, I know you lose Sam Merrill. And so people are saying, well, your backcourt's going to be absolute garbage. I mean, they, they Brock struggled last year. Absolutely, we get it. He was not good. But the year before, he actually shot really well. If Brock can get back into that groove, Marco Anthony, Sean Barristow, he's got a lot of experience. And by the way, you're going to love Liam McChesney. You are going to fall in love with this kid as a basketball player. Really, really good. He's quiet. He's, he's an assassin. He's got athleticism off the charts. You're going to love Liam McChesney. Uh, and then Nigel John's coming in. Uh, they, you know, it was interesting. They thought Namias was going to go to the NBA. And so they picked up Nigel John, who's a great pickup, by the way. But now Nigel gets to learn under Namias Keta, which isn't really a bad thing. It actually works out. Uh, and then uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, or the Bischoff kid, excuse me, is going to be, uh, will be uh, available now to play. So they've got a pretty good backcourt with some good shooters. They've got a front court that stars Justin Bean uh, and Namish Keta. And then, of course, Trevin Dorius is there. Kuba is also there. Uh, they've got room, and they've got some talent. This team could do some damage. It's a tough schedule uh, looking at it so far. It's a tough schedule. Again, you got BYU and St. Mary's at home, uh, Immortal Beach, uh, or whatever constitutes as an away game as well. Um, they get Mississippi State in Florida. And then in that Myrtle Beach tournament is Dayton. There's Penn. Uh, there is Pitt. Uh, and so they've, they've got a list of good teams, Power 5 teams, uh, teams that are going to help your resume. They're going to boost it up immensely. So uh, get ready for another fun and exciting season of men's basketball, uh, starring Namish Keta, uh, who comes back for year three. We're going to take a break. Coming back, I want to talk about the NFL draft. Jordan Love gets drafted. You have four signees, but one guy is left off. Why? How does he get left off? And then, of course, we'll talk about the four signees and where they're going and where they're headed to. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Full Court Press, Audrey Salveson here. Eric gone, not dead. F- alive, but not forgotten. He'll be back on Wednesday. I'm s- solo today. And then Carl Smith, Utah State men's basketball trainer, will join me uh, tomorrow to uh, to fill the void. And uh, we'll talk uh, some basketball with him, some hoops about Namish Keta. Maybe even talk about bull riding. It's it's interesting, you know, that how many actually people are interested that Carl was a or is a farmer or a rancher. So I was talking to him last night. He's like, you know, we could talk about bull riding. And I said, I have nothing for you, bull riding. I mean, I was a clown one time in a rodeo. Uh, I was terrified. I was like four foot nothing going against an, like a 300-pound bull with horns and mean green eyes. And I didn't have a change of pair of underwear. And it was it was a bad experience. And so, anyways, he wants to talk bull riding. I'm not sure how that's going to go. But we'll, we'll, we'll give it a whirl. Uh, Utah State football uh, has four Aggies that uh, go as undrafted free agents. Dominic Eberle going to Oakland. 
Tipanalia going to Green Bay. Cioso, Cioso, Cioso Mariner is uh, going to Las Vegas. Sorry, so Eberle's not going to Oakland. He's going to Las Vegas. I apologize. That's that's going to take some time for me to get used to. So Eberle and Mariner are going to Las Vegas to play for the Raiders. Uh, Tipanalia is going to Green Bay to join Jordan Love. And Caleb Rep heads south to Atlanta to go uh, head over to Falcon land. Um, those are your four undrafted free agents. We're missing one guy. David Woodward is the most high IQ player I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, just the quickness and the instinct that he had to get to the football. His physicality as a linebacker. His, his um, flexibility to play multiple positions and cover ground better than anybody else on the entire defensive squad. No one did it like David Woodward. But of course, those are, there, there are those concussion issues. Uh, had another one. Ended up sitting out the rest of the year. Uh, missed, I believe, about half of the final part of the season. And, uh, and then goes into the draft. And again, it's interesting as as smart as he is and as good as he is, for not one team, not one team to take him in the draft and not one team to sign him tells you how much those concussions scared them off. There's no other way that you could say, you could look at film of David Woodward, you could talk football with him for five minutes. Five minutes is all you need, a football talk with David Woodward. And you would know how smart and how passionate he is about football and playing the game. There's no other way you can explain how he doesn't get signed. Not even for a tryout. I mean, you look at the list of guys. You look at the list of defensive players that were signed as undrafted free agents. And with all due respect for those defensive players, I don't think over half of them can't even wear the same cleats as David Woodward. Talent-wise and IQ-wise, over half those defensive guys couldn't do what David does on who David did on a week-to-week basis. Coach Gary Anderson speaks highly about David Woodward, especially when we had him on last week. He spoke about him. Love David Woodward. And Again, it takes, it takes honestly, five-minute discussion, about maybe ten minutes of film. Sit down and watch film with him, and you realize how good he is. And for him not to get signed is a travesty to me. And I'm not being biased. I really am not. Like, I mean, I was stunned that Curtis Weaver fell as late as he did. Now, I know there was an injury and that uh, there was, I mean, there was talk and, and, um, I guess a little bit of skeptical mindset that he took plays off. But even at that, the, for him to fall as late as he did is amazing. But David Woodward should have been signed. He's a steal of a pickup. But again, I go back to the concussion. I, it must have been more serious than we thought it was. Um, I knew he had concussion issues. He's had a few before. Must have been incredibly serious for him not to get picked up. 
I don't know if this is the end. And the other thing is, is if he didn't get picked up, he could probably have gone and played in the XFL. But now that they went filed into bankruptcy, I would say that they are not uh, going to have a league next year, which is which is too bad because uh, it gives guys who didn't get drafted, who didn't get signed as un, uh, undrafted free agents, it gives them a chance to still play football. And you never know; it it maybe works up to uh, having a shot in the NFL. I mean, you look at it, James Devlin. Okay, fullback for the Patriots, who, by the way, just announced his retirement today. So the Patriots are losing guys left and right. Free agency, uh, retirement, um, Trey, I mean, whatever the situation is, they're losing guys left and right. James Devlin, their, uh, their longtime fullback, retired today. James Devlin played, uh, was a defensive lineman at an extremely small school, then went and played in the uh, U.S not USFL, uh, went and played at, I can't remember what uh, team it was, and then he went and played in the Arena League, and then finally got to play for the Patriots, got picked up by the New England as a fullback. A guy who did all the dirty work and didn't want any attention. And he played in the, excuse me, so he did play, he played in the UFL, uh, then went to the Arena Football League, and then became a Pro Bowl fullback for the New England Patriots and won three championships as well. Suffered a neck injury uh, midway, th- just actually just before midway of the season last year, and then sat out the rest of the year. And then because of the, some complications with the surgery and the neck injury itself, he decided to call it quits. He's 32 years old. But eight years, three Super Bowls for a guy who played a small division two football as a defensive lineman, played for the UFL then played for the arena, and then finally was uh, picked up by the Patriots and a three-time Super Bowl champ. So those small-time guys who are willing to just do the dirty work, who just want to play because they love the game, David Woodward's one of those guys. He is a James Devlin. But again, it's that injury that just scares teams away of the word concussion. And as I've, as I've already noted before, I'd probably have to say that it was maybe more serious than we thought. That's what scares me. That's what saddens me. A guy with that much talent, that much passion, that much IQ doesn't get picked up because of some past injury issues. I, under, I get it. I do. I, I mean, I can understand there's, there's injury stuff and you've got to be really careful. But even just to, I mean, you just think he at least gets signed. Just to, hey, let's, let's just take a look at this kid on the field. No pads, no nothing. Let's just take a look at him on the field. Hey, let's go sit in a film room with him for 15, 20 minutes. And let's just see what he tells us. What his feedback is like when he watches his own film. You'd be amazed. I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, it would blow GMs and scouts' minds away how good he is. Uh, Dominic Erbley, happy for him as he heads to Oakland. Or not, see, dude, I'm telling you. As he heads to Las Vegas. Uh, and then, of course, as we already mentioned, CLC Mariner is headed to Las Vegas as well as a receiver. Uh, Tipa Nalia gets picked up by Green Bay, so he's going to be joining Jordan Love. Uh, and then, of course, Caleb Rep, really good tight end, great hands. Really good hands. Uh, good height, can take a hit. Uh, he'll be catching passes from Matt Ryan 
Atlanta needs some help in the receiving department too. They've lost some. They've lost some talent. They are in dire need of a good tight end, and and Caleb Rep can provide that. Dominic Gabriel, we've already said enough about him. He's got a great foot, good, uh, good character, great behavior. Uh, no issues there. Um, and man, kicking in warm weather for Dominic's gonna be a, it's gonna be a walk in the park. Uh, Tipinalia, uh, you know it's interesting. He came from TCU and in his first year at Utah State had a heck of a year. I mean, an extremely good year. Second year, stats are going down. I remember about midway through the year when we asked Coach Gary Anderson at a press conference, hey, what have you seen from Tipa? Because we see the numbers, but what do you see? And he says, yeah, quit looking at the numbers. Look at the double teams he takes that opens up lanes for our linebackers to get through. That opens up one-on-one situations for our linemen to be able to make a move and get to the quarterback. The close gaps. Yeah, so Tipa's numbers are down. But he's still incredibly effective and is a huge part of our defensive success. Uh, I, I've, I've interviewed Tipa twice, and he is a kind human being, really kind, soft-spoken. Uh, like David, he loves football. He's got good size. He's physical. Uh, I'm excited to see Tipa in Green Bay. I think he's going to do some damage there. Uh, and Siosi Mariner, another transfer from the University of Utah along with Caleb Rapp. Good hands. You you look at a lot. I, I wish I would have counted how many third and longs we saw Jordan Love go to COC Mariner. I mean, you would have Caleb Rep in a one-on-one. Taylor Compton in a one-on-one. And Jordan Love would go to COC Mariner as being double teamed. You know, people talk about that throw at LSU when... Uh, when Love rolls out to his right and throws on the run. I mean, it's a gorgeous throw. Don't get me I, I love the throw from Love. But the catch from Siosu Mariner with two guys just on his heels, literally on his heels, and the focus to catch it over the shoulder and come down with it and keep control. Uh, is, I mean, he's just a special, special receiver. Uh, good jump, good vertical, can get up and get a ball, high point it really well. And again, as I already said, really, really good hands. Really good hands. I, I'm excited for uh, Ciosi. I think he's, I think he's going to do just fine on, uh, over there in Las Vegas because uh, when you have someone like Derek Carr throwing the ball, it, it's not the worst of things. So, uh, plan on, plan on John Gruden using him a lot at least, at least during preseason and giving him a really strong look. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, last dance last night, parts three and four. We focused on Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson and some really, really good stories. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it and uh, and what Dennis Rodman meant to the team despite a national writer coming out today and saying that Dennis was not very interesting. Find out what I mean. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. And- Full Court Press, Al J. Salveson here. Eric is absent till Wednesday, so I'm flying solo today. Carl Smith, Utah State men's basketball trainer, will join me tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about Namiya Shkeda. We'll talk uh, We'll talk heavy time basketball. And, of course, maybe, unfortunately, bull riding. I, I can't wait to talk bull riding with Carl Smith. That's so exciting. Please don't, like, encourage him either with your text into the show. Don't encourage it at all. Uh, all right, last night, parts three and four of The Last Dance. There is so much to take in. I mean, so we focused in on 
uh, we focused in on Dennis Rodman in part three. And part four kind of went into the weird uh, philosophies of Coach Jackson and his journey to being the head coach. And it was interesting. So, Doug Collins, Jordan loved Doug Collins. Okay, because right, the coach before kind of just took the ball out of Jordan's hands. At times, didn't trust Jordan, was inconsistent with Jordan's touches, even when Jordan would have great games. And then, of course, Doug Collins comes in, and it's a free-flowing, free-flowing system going through Jordan. Now, that's one. There's a good and bad thing to it. The good thing is that, well, Jordan's the best dang player in the freaking court, so give him the ball and watch him score 63 points, right? Or 69 points against Cleveland. The bad news is that it creates one-on-one log jams, which, of course, a team like Detroit Pistons and the Bad Boys created the Jordan Rolls, and you know the rest of the story. For three, four straight years, the Pistons just beat the crap out of Jordan and then Chicago uh, and eliminated him from the playoffs. And uh, Jordan actually told part of that story a little bit. Uh, it was the 1990 season when they got eliminated in seven games, and Jordan's on the bus. And his father comes onto the bus and is trying to console Jordan. Hey, it's all right. You're okay. You had a good season. And what the story doesn't continue to go through, what Jordan Rolls does in the book, Jordan Rolls, uh, is that, and that's written by Sam Smith. If you haven't read the Jordan Rolls by Sam Smith, oh my gosh, read that book. It is incredible. So, so, so good. Uh but what that uh, what Jordan left out of the documentary last night is that Jordan went off. Uh, he stood up and started screaming at his team on the bus. He said that this is unacceptable. That uh, we're all playing a, like a bunch of bleepity bleeps. And we are bleepity bleeps. And we're going to continue to be bleepity bleeps unless someone toughens up besides me. And he put that out there just like that word for word. Unless someone decides to tough it, toughen up besides me. Jordan felt like he was the only tough guy who could take the beating, and he did take a beating. When every time he went to the hole, he was getting clotheslined by Bill Lambeer, uh, body checked by Isaiah Thomas, uh, cut under by Dumars. Uh, John Sally had a good, good uh, couple of uh, body checks on him as well, and that happened every single game. But he felt like the one thing that his team couldn't handle is the mental toughness part. Something that Detroit had that and at Detroit had it, Chicago couldn't find it. So there was frustration on that regard. Um. So the the whole Duck Collins experiment was good for Jordan because he loved the touches, and he loved the ball coming through him. The bad part to it was the fact that again it was a one on five system and it didn't work. So then, Tex Winter has this triangle offense. Doug Collins hates it. So then, you know, Tex Winter, as the assistant coach, challenges Collins in so much that Collins doesn't allow him to sit on the bench anymore and then in practice has him stand in the corner and write down notes. At practice. We're talking about practice. So with that... uh, you know, Doug Collins' time kind of ran out. Jerry Krause wasn't a fan of Doug Collins as the years went on because he wasn't following the instruction from Tex Winter. In comes Phil Jackson. And Phil starts to use Tex Winter's system, the triangle, with more options to it. 
And then you see everybody touching the ball. And, of course, Michael said last night, at first I hated Phil Jackson. I didn't like him because I wasn't getting the ball. But then you listen to the other teammates talking about it, and they're like, hey, we love Phil. Like, everybody was getting a chance. But, again, there was that trust issue that Michael had with his teammates saying, look, you're not getting the ball because you can't freaking score. Read the Jordan Rules book. He, being Jordan, just absolutely tore to incredible shreds Bill Cartwright. I mean, tore him into little pieces, verbally and mentally, day after day after day, till finally one time, Bill Cartwright turns around and says, if you ever explicative or expletive or whatever that word is, talk to me like that again, I will tear your bleeping body apart. Uh, Jordan still got after him, but not in such a harsh way. But again, Phil Jackson comes in and he has this, you know, yoga thing and uh, he talks about his Native American uh I don't, know, I don't even want to call it a heritage, but where, I mean, they play Cowboys and Indians, and Phil Jackson always wanted to be the Indian. He had an interest in that. He took a very high interest in that and brought in some uh, mental routines, if you want to call it that, into the practice. Before practice, they'd go through these exercises. Um, and I'd play the clip for you, but it's kind of, it's, it's a little odd, so I won't. All right, but then, of course, part three really dives. That was part four. Part three dives into one of my favorites of the story, Dennis Rodman. Now, Bill Simmons earlier today wrote an article saying over the last 25 years, no one has been, I guess, yeah, over the last 25 years, no one has been less interesting than Dennis Rodman. That's right. The same guy who said, you know what, Phil? I need a vacation. And so then Phil calls Jordan and Pippen in and says, Dennis wants a vacation. Michael Jordan says, if anyone needs, deserves a vacation, it's me. So no. And then Phil looks at Dennis. Can you do it in 48 hours? I'll take whatever I can get. So he goes out for not 48 hours, but for about what? What was it? Like 65 or something like that? I mean, he was gone. Never didn't, didn't make it back in the 48-hour time limit that he had. But... uh. This guy was partying and dating Carmen Electra, who, by the way, still looks fantastic. Uh, it was dating Carmen Electra and was out partying with him. Then came back. I mean, this is who this is not interesting to anybody. Comes back and they're doing like these jog around the uh, courts. We call it snake, where you run around the court and when the coach blows the whistle, the last person in line sprints to the front, then he leads the group. So Jordan's like, everybody, you go at a slow crawl pace. I mean, we are nearly walking, but we're jogging because we're trying to make sure that Dennis stays with us. Well, then it's Dennis's turn. Coach blows the whistle. Dennis takes a dead sprint up, and he leads for four laps because the Bulls can't keep up. That right there told Michael Jordan this. Dennis Rodman will take basketball serious. When Dennis Rodman's in the right mode, he will take basketball serious and do whatever it takes. I still love the story last night that Jordan told. Uh, Dennis Rodman gets thrown out. Jordan's PO'd with this. Absolutely live with Dennis Rodman because it was then just Dennis, or to me, Michael Jordan left out to dry because Pippen was out. So Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan were holding down the fort. So Dennis Rodman gets ejected. Michael Jordan's left to left to fend for himself. 
So and he's and he's livid with Dennis Rodman. Now that night they're at the hotel, and Dennis, as they said, never came out of his hotel room. I mean, never, according to them. Dennis Rodman comes back into the uh, hotel room, <laughs> and uh, or uh, comes out of his hotel room, knocks on Michael's Jordan door, and says, "Hey, do you have a cigar?" That's it. Do you have a cigar? But that move, that moment of Dennis Rodman being willing to come out of his hotel, knock on the door, and say, hey, do you have a cigar? Told Jordan that that's Dennis saying, my bad. I screwed up. I'm going to fix it. And then he did. But then when Pippen came back, See, Dennis Rodman felt like he was needed. He was wanted by the greatest ever, Michael Jordan. But then when Pippen came back, it was Michael and Pippen again. Rodman was that, Rodman was that third wheel hanging around. Still part of the court, but the third wheel. He didn't like being that third wheel. He asked for a vacation. Phil Jackson gives it to him. He takes more than the 48 hours he was allowed. Uh, comes back, but comes ready to go, sort of. Uh, it was just, it was crazy. It was really good stuff. Um... But here's the thing is that people don't realize Dennis Rodman's an introvert, right? Like, you, you, saw the, you saw the pictures. Like, as a rookie, he wore jeans, sneakers, no tattoos, no piercings, no dyed hair. He was bullied as a kid. Uh, his father went AWOL at one point. Mother kicked him out of the house. Uh, he slept in his friend's backyard. And then, and then Chuck Daly becomes his father figure that Dennis Rodman never had, and he fell in love with him. Rodman did with Daly. Chuck Daly goes, and Dennis Rodman loses it again. And then Phil Jackson comes in, and he's sort of that father figure, but just in a different way, but he's still there for him. Uh, the craziest part about it is that with the Pistons, Chuck Daly made him an, you know, an integral part of the team, right? He was part of his... One of the rebounders, but they, come on, you had Bill Lambert, you had Joe Dumars, right? you had John Sally. Dennis Rodman, without or with Dennis Rodman, the Pistons were still going to win championships. The Pistons' front core was Lambert, Thomas, and Dumars. With or without Dennis Rodman, the team, they were going to win championships. But Phil Jackson took him onto a team, and with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen on this same squad, along with Steve Kerr and Ron Harper, he made Dennis Rodman feel like he was going to be the X Factor. That one secret weapon that they could they could use and he'd be a key cog to the Bulls dynasty. That's what made Dennis want to be in Chicago. By the way, I love Donovan Mitchell's tweet last night after that documentary that uh, Dennis Rodman invent invented load management. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, one more, okay, a, a couple more things. Uh, the thing with Dennis is that after Scottie Pippen's return in January of 98, Dennis Rodman might have been more difficult to handle, maybe off the court, but his number stayed steady. Um, I was reading something from Kevin Pelton. Uh, of ESPN, he's a basketball analytics guy. He said Rodman's shooting percentage it declined from forty six to forty point five percent, but he helped offset that with the free throw accuracy. 
In the in the season's uh, first 35 games of 1998, he shot just 41.5% from the line. He then shot 74% the rest of the way, man. What happened? He goes from he goes from forty six or excuse me forty one percent to seventy four percent. It's amazing. It's incredible, and it's hard to do. Uh, the other thing I loved about this is Jordan's hatred for Isaiah Thomas and for the and for the Pistons themselves. He still has it too. He still absolutely has it. I'll do it for the full court press today. Coming up tomorrow, Carl Smith, Utah State men's basketball trainer, will join me. And we'll talk basketball. We'll talk about Utah State. Namiya Shketa coming back and what his relationship has been like with Namiya Shketa. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Enjoy your evening.